بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على من لا نبي بعده وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين My beloved brothers, my sisters, there was excitement in Makkah al-Mukarramah. The joy prior to the birth of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was so much because they knew that this amazing child was to be born, coming from a lineage that was superb. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the very outset to grant us the ability to listen to what is being said, to be able to understand it, to be able to feel happy that Allah has chosen us to be from this ummah, and to continue to reiterate within our hearts that gratitude by way of reminding ourselves to improve on a daily basis in our following of the greatest of creation, the most noble of all prophets of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If the disbelievers of Mecca showed excitement at the birth of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, relatives and those who were not closely related, There was something about the air. There was something about their animals, the sheep, the goats, the camels, the donkeys. There was something about the dust and the sand of Mecca. There was something about the mountains of Mecca. There was something about every creature. That was amazing, that was unique, that was filled with a sense of joy. At the coming of the greatest of creation, the most noble of all prophets of Allah. <laughs> We have not sent you except as a mercy for Al-Alameen. Al-Alameen is not only mankind, but it is all the different worlds in existence. The species, all of them, the creatures, all of them. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, came as a means of mercy. The mercy of Allah manifest through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in every aspect of his life. Hence, he was acknowledged by the stones and the rocks and the mountains and the birds and the spiders and the ants. He was acknowledged by the winds, the clouds, the trees. Everything I've said now there are narrations to prove how. Subhanallah. The trees gave shade. The clouds came to cover. The stones used to greet. Allahu Akbar. Inni la a'rifu hajaram kana yusallimu I always make mention of this. Whenever we speak of the greatness of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where he says, Wallahi, I know 
A stone in Makkah used to greet me. Imagine the winds blowing. If Allah Almighty gave the ant the ability to understand what Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam was saying to it and to its group, imagine what the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was given when he was greater by far. Subhanallah. So the excitement was such that the day of the birth of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, even those who later did not accept his message were excited. The likes of Abu Lahab. Mention is made of this. Later on, hidayah and guidance was not written for some of them. But at that time, they were excited. The miracles that accompanied the birth of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, one by one, one by one. We've heard them over the last so many years at the same program. And I'm sure we've read about them and we should because there are so many. But the point I want to raise Everyone and everything knew that there was a blessed birth. Allah had chosen him from the very beginning. Chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah had chosen the lineage. Selected very carefully. Allah knew the best of creation is going to be the child of Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib from Banu Hashim, from Quraysh, subhanallah. The virtue was given. He was born. The birds, the creatures, the earth, the people, everyone excited. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So many miracles that as he grew older, wherever he had been, there was so much of barakah and blessings in the place and in the lives of the people who took an interest in him and in the lives of the people who looked after him and in the lives of those who happened to contribute even in a small way towards that stage of childhood. The donkeys are made mention of as a mode of transport. Why was it simple to ride? Because there was someone being carried on the back who was the best of creation, the most noble of all prophets of Allah. You wouldn't know. It was to be the Nubuwa, the prophethood. Allah chose it to come at the age of 40. Imagine those 40 years. Why do you think Allah chose for that prophethood to come at the age of 40 when Allah already knew that the miracles had started even prior to his birth? When he was born, the lights that were lit, miracles that had shown the position in which he was born, 
the excitement of his grandfather rushing him to no other place than the Kaaba. Imagine, we're going with this child to the Kaaba. At that time, there was no Hajj that was made compulsory. There was no proper Tawaf that was taking place in, in a way that was ordained by Allah. But there were still some people who knew that when something good happens to you, you have to thank Allah. They took him and went. His grandfather, it's reported he was so excited, he carried the child and went straight to the Kaaba and made tawaf around the Kaaba. Subhanallah. So Allah kept that 40 years for everyone who interacted with the greatest of creation, the most noble of all prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be convinced regarding the uprightness of his character, his conduct. He became known as the trustworthy and the truthful. Why? Because something was going to be given to him to be relayed to all of us. Had he not been known as the trustworthy, the truthful, they could have belied him and said, you know what? As it is, he was a liar. Na'udhu billah. As it is, he's not a trustworthy person. In today's community and society, Take a look at us as we grow older. The tongues are foul. The first words the kids use and the, the first words they utter. I hope they are words of goodness in the houses of the believers. But generally across the street, you know the type of words the little kids utter today. They knew him as trustworthy, honest, upright. His character for your information and for a reminder for all of us was blemishless. Blemishless. Imagine a young man, youngster growing up, not a fault throughout his life. 40 years, not one fault. Subhanallah, not one fault. Nobody can say a thing. No one could raise an issue. Not at all. When he grew up, he was not only known as the truthful and the trustworthy. There were other names they used to refer to him, which were all filled with the uprightness of his character. From among them, he was the most handsome, subhanallah. He was the most good looking. When they ate with him, there was always plentiful food, even if it looked very little, subhanallah. The blessings. The udders of the goats that they used to milk kept on producing milk as though they were not milked just a few moments earlier. Subhanallah, that's a miracle. This was way before prophethood. These are the blessings. He grew up in the midst of the people of Makkah, his relatives, his people, his tribe, some not so closely related, obviously, but they loved him. They loved him. Fond of him, so much so that when they had an issue, they would always call on him to resolve the matter. One of the biggest issues they had was a dispute that was almost breaking the whole clan. It was about the black stone. When they were rebuilding the Kaaba, and they wanted to place it back in its place, and each one wanted the honor of doing it, and they decided, you know what? 
Instead of us disputing and the dispute is never ending, let's call this man the wise, the intelligent, the upright, the honest, the handsome from amongst us, the trustworthy, the truthful. Subhanallah. They called him. What should we do? Quickly. He said, let's put the stone onto a cloth and the heads of each one of these family units can carry or can lift or hold a certain portion of the cloth and then we'll all take it together to where it's supposed to be placed and you lift it up to the closest position and I will take it and put it. So what happened? Everyone participated in it. Today, when you are left out from something, you feel really bad. You can cause issues. Why? I'm left out, man. Egos. That's what it is. Egos. Nonetheless, the problem was resolved by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam prior to him being a Nabi of Allah. But he was already the chosen one. Allah knew this. Similarly, when they oppressed a man for his wealth and there was a hilf, there was a little pledge of allegiance to help the one who is oppressed that happened in the house of Abdullah ibn Jad'an. The Prophet wasallam says, in the period of Jahiliyyah, I was called to the house of Abdullah ibn Jad'an where we all pledged to help the oppressed and to stand together against the oppressor if I was called towards something similar in Islam, I would go to it because of how just it was. Stand up firm for what? For justice. So he was the most fair, the most just. But the day that Allah chose for him to come with the message of Allah, those very people who called him the upright, the honest, the most handsome, the best, they were fond of him, they loved him, they felt threatened. Threatened by what? Threatened by something that threatens us to this day. Whenever someone else comes up and we feel this person's going to take my position. Because the powerful felt this one's going to be more powerful. The wealthy felt this one's going to be more wealthy. Those who had something felt this one's going to have more than us. Those in authority felt this one's going to get more authority than us. Those who were leaders of religion and faith felt this one's going to overtake us. Therefore, they became jealous. Therefore, they hated him. Therefore, they rejected him. Yet a few moments before he presented the message, had he asked them and he did, they said, or they, they told him, we will believe what you tell us. Do you know what happened? He was given Nubuwa, and we all know he was in Hira. He was in the cave of Hira, meditating over the condition of his people, worshipping anything and everything besides Allah and things with Allah. Astaghfirullah. Iqara, here comes Jibreel saying, read. Iqara, read. I'm not a reader. Read. 
insana ma lam ya'lam read in the name of your lord who created read in the name of allah read in the name of your lord first verses revealed he who created man from a clot read for indeed your lord is most honored most honoring the one who taught by the pen muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam rushed from the mount young man 40 40 is not so young by the way the quran describes 40 years as ashud the peak allah almighty uses the term ashud when it comes to 40 years he says that is the peak istawa a person who arrives at the age of 40 is settled settled in their emotions and so on their ways and habits that's why if you haven't dealt with your habits by the age of 40 you will be able to deal with them with greater difficulty but prior to 40 it's a little bit easier to deal with them you want to give up a bad habit do it now if you're over 40 you're going to need a little bit more of dedication if you're under 40 perhaps you still have to be dedicated but it will be a bit easier if you really want to change your habit many of us say hey i want to quit the next year we meet you is hey i want to quit next year we meet you hey i want to quit three years later i want to meet you hey i want to quit la ilaha illallah you don't want to quit you only want to tell me that you want to quit that's how it is if you want to quit the truth is for the sake of Allah who blessed you with such a great Nabi consider yourself fortunate and quit it now Allahu Akbar you see what we're saying are you not fortunate to be part of the Ummah Wallahi you sit and you look at what is in the market you know when you buy something and you're so happy with what you've bought you look at what others have and you say la ilaha illallah they cannot compare and compete when it comes to the deen of Allah, no matter what you look at around the other adyan, you will always be very delighted to be a Muslim if you have even an iota of faith in your heart. If you know religions, you will realize. Someone came to me some time ago and said, I'm doubting the Quran. So I told him, well, is there any other book you don't doubt? He kept quiet. I said, have you read the other books? He said, some of them. I said, well, do you doubt them? I doubt them more. I said, well, at least this one, you're telling me you doubt it the least. So isn't it still the best in the market? For a guy like me, there's no doubt. For you, small doubts, they will go. But still, it's the, it's the best in the market, if I can word it that way. And the highest. There's nothing that competes and compares. Nothing, zero. Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, imagine. What did he teach? He taught only goodness. So as he came down, his wife embraced him because he asked to be embraced. Embrace me. Give me a hug. A tight hug. Zammiluni, zammiluni, cover me. Embrace me. He was enveloped. You're asking for a tight hug. Today, even if you suggest, brother, go home and ask your wife for a tight hug. They'll tell you what kind is this. What kind is this? 
Some of the more pious people will say, Astaghfirullah, right or wrong? It's not piety. Go home and ask her for a hug, nice tight one. And wonder to yourself, I wonder if this was tight enough. Good, mashallah. Enveloping. May Allah Almighty bless us. The balance in the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was tremendous. You have that balance. There is no way you can go wrong. No chance. No chance. The sunnah, the method, the lifestyle, the ways, the habits, the characteristics, the speech, the worship. Everything was exactly to measure. Proper. The highest level. Thank Allah. His wife tells him after hearing what happened that Allah will never let you down because you're a good man. You're a good man. And because you're a good man, I'm going to take you to my cousin here. And I want you to talk to him and to explain to him what happened when Waraka bin Nawfal heard the story. He says, you know what? This is the same angel that came to the other prophets. So Allah is going to send you one day, which means... He's going to ask you to deliver the message. This is the beginning of prophethood. But there will come a stage when you will be asked to deliver the message. Go and convey it. And he says, if I'm alive at that time, I'd love to see that time. I'll believe in you. He didn't see that time. But the Prophet wasallam, when he was instructed, Qum fa'andir, get up and warn. Warn your people. Warn your close family. Your people who are related to you. So he gathered them on Mount Safa and he asked them a question. If I were to tell you that behind me on the other side of the mount, there is an enemy that is coming. That is going to attack you. Would you believe me? They said, indeed, we would believe you. You've never lied. You've never told anything false. You, you are blemishless. Why wouldn't we believe you? And that's when he said, Inni lakum shadid. I am a warner to you of a punishment that is ahead of you. Unless you turn to the one who made you. You turn to the one who made you and worship him alone and you quit your ways and your habits. Imagine immediately, spontaneously, split second, the same people who were related to him, his family, his kith and kin, his people, his community who loved him, who considered him truthful and honest and handsome and great and trustworthy. They, from among them, they, the leaders of them, such as Abu Lahab, he opens his mouth and he says, Tabbalaka, Ya Muhammad, Alihada, Jama'atana. Destruction be to you, O Muhammad. Is this why you gathered us here? Which means we thought you got something important to tell us. But hang on for a moment, because if his entire life was blemishless. Today the man is gathering you to tell you worship he who made you and you want to respond to him by saying, do you really gather us for something like this? Instead of responding that way, you should have thought, well, if this man is calling me or calling all of us 
to warn us about something and to give us a message, there must be substance to it. So one might ask, who are the people who accepted the message? Good question, right? They were his best friends. Subhanallah. His best friends, his circle, who lived with him, they knew him. They are the ones who said, no, this man, if he is saying it, it's not a lie. Not a lie. If he hasn't lied to us about worldly matters, where on earth is he going to lie to us about heavenly matters? Normally you find a man reading five salah a day, but he's a thug. He'll steal your money. He won't pay you. He'll swear you at work. His character will be smelling foul. What else? You might find a guy with a tasbih in his hand, mashallah, adhkar. His lips are moving. You don't know what he's saying because he's foul. Even with a tasbih, he's moving it like this and swearing Fs and Bs. Some people are like this. They use it as a rosary in order to just de-stress themselves. It's no longer an ibadah. Have you seen that happening? Be careful. Because when shaitan overtakes people, it's no longer about the, the thing in your hand. It's more about just showing it off to people. May Allah Almighty protect us. But it's happening. In the case of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, they said, his best friends said, if this man did not cheat us with the dirham and the dinar, with the money and the business, to the degree that the woman who he worked for, for a short time, when she saw that honesty and the exemplary characteristics, they built the courage to actually come forth and say, would you consider marriage? Subhanallah. Hey, that must have been a tough one. Subhanallah. Thinking about it, it must have been a tough one. In today's society, people consider it taboo. Taboo, totally taboo. What? The age gap. The other way around, totally. The most religious from amongst us would decline. Illa man rahimallah. Maybe an exception or two. Wallahu a'lam. I don't know them, but possible. Against all odds. This is why I say, what sunnah do we actually follow? We read it, we check it, we, we enjoy it, we repeat it, we read it at home every day, we attend every now and again, we get excited, we shed our tears. But when it happens to us, it's no. We had an issue not too long ago of someone wanting to get married. It so happened that the brother who is tremendous in his character happened to have accepted Islam about 10 years back. What a beautiful brother. Obviously, he doesn't have family that is Muslim. He had to propose somewhere. He went to propose to someone. They said, no, we don't accept reverts. Straight. The father, five times salah in the masjid. First saf. Anything you can think about, it's there. Quran is in order in the masjid all the time sitting with his adhkar. But when it came to him, him and his own test failed. I went and speak to him. I said, you know what? Abu Bakr was a revert, radiallahu anhu. Umar ibn al-Khattab was a revert. Uthman ibn Affan revert. Khalid ibn al-Walid ibn al-Mughira revert. Bilal ibn Rabah revert. Subhanallah, these people reverts. Now what are you going to say? 
if the man had a blemish in his character conduct you can say if he had a blemish in his deen you can speak but if the if the parties are keen and the man has come forth honorably to ask and there is keenness from the side of your own then consider it don't just brush it off so i was saying the man who when they saw the greatness of his character they proposed the proposal was accepted and that's the reason why if you look carefully at the peak of his age he chose to marry a woman who was previously married with children and he had more children with her he looked after the previous ones and his children and he married none during her life it was only later on that he married again for more noble purposes for those who want to accuse him of being after women when he was told by Quraysh you want to marry you want the women will give you the best and the most beautiful from amongst us but quit what you are saying I'm sure you've heard that they told him he said wallahi no matter what you give me nothing is going to stop me I am here to give you the message of Allah that's what it was so the point is what a great man with such great character and here you have people immediately say you know what you're a liar you're after this and you're after that you're after power they told him straighter straight you're after power you're after wealth you're after women you're after authority you want to control everything but that wasn't true the same rumors come right up to today for anyone who is going to do the work of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they will be threatened they will be accused they will be labeled by whom by others who have similar traits they are also worried about my authority is going to go my power is going to go my wealth is going to go my chair is going to go something else is going to go so what's the best thing to do attack those who are doing what calling you towards allah and his rasul thank allah that we are part of the ummah thank allah learn about muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and don't be from among those who join the group of abu lahab by saying is this why you gathered us because today it might not be mount safa it might not be that we are on the other side of safa and he's calling us to say i'm about to give you something no we are already part of the ummah but we don't follow what he has taught that's what it is so we are calling ourselves the ummah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam but we are finding it difficult to adopt the simplest of teachings many of us are struggling with the pillars of islam such as salah may allah strengthen us this is the time to celebrate by promising allah i'm going to fulfill my five daily prayers fully i'm an ummati and if i were there at the time of the prophet sallallahu i would have loved to stand up just as abu bakr and say i believe every word that you've uttered do you believe every word he has said if you do quit your ways quit your habits you know that one thing that's bogging you down stop it it's not difficult you are a member of the ummah you know the farad that you're supposed to be fulfilling you know how you're supposed to be dressing you know how you're supposed to be communicating if you're a member of the ummah if you have any form of respect and honor for nabi muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
you will make a change, a positive change. Every year we gather, not once, many times, to listen to what the messenger, peace be upon him, brought to us. The sacrifices are so many, I haven't even started. But the lesson is great. Greater than the story, the lessons. You put yourselves for a moment in the position of those who were listening to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when he told them, I'm warning you about a punishment that is about to come if you do not worship your maker alone. Turn to Allah. What would be your response? I'm hoping that all of us, without exception, we would say, we stand firm with your message. And we believe you. And we are going to try our best. And we are going to do it. Teach us the way. And Allah will change your life. Allah will give you barakah, lots of blessings. You'll be a happier, more content person. Allah will make it easy for you to fulfill your deeds, your good deeds. Allah will automatically allow your eye to open at the time of Fajr and you will feel in your heart, let me get up and make wudu and pray. Subhanallah. You feel it in your heart. Allah will make you stop yourself when you want to shout and swear like you used to. Allah will make you stop yourself. That's acceptance. My brothers, my sisters, Every time you open your mouth to utter a foul word and you remember and you think and you block yourself and stop yourself, not only are you earning a great reward, but remember, Allah chose you to stop yourself from something displeasing to Him. Subhanallah. Allah chose you. And every time you just vented it, it was shaitan who just made you drop one more. It's like when you go fishing with a net. You see all the fish catch. They catch what? They, some of the fish, according to what I was told, they're so sharp. They know that there's a hook here. But they also look at that little, you know, the worm or whatever it is hanging, dangling there. And they tell themselves, yeah, I'm sure I can get the worm without being hooked. And then they go for it. Because a lot of the times, those who are fishermen, you probably know what I'm talking about. They'll come, they'll take the whole worm. It's gone and the hook is still there, empty. Where's the worm? Well, the fish bit it and went. They knew how to take it out. Shaitan comes in trap. He also got worms for us. We bite those worms on a regular basis. We bite them. My brothers, my sisters, remember the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad the greatest of creation, the perfect, the most noble of all messengers of Allah, the one who had zero blemish. I tell you, if you were only to understand how fortunate you and I are, it would become simple to lead your life in a way that is pleasing to Allah. Allah has chosen you. One of the biggest gifts that Allah has blessed you and I with is the fact that we are part of the ummah of Nabi Muhammad Learn to love one another. Learn to respect one another. Learn to correct one another in a beautiful way. I'm making a mistake. You are making a mistake. We are all part of the Ummah. We all love the Prophet Muhammad We would all sacrifice our lives for him. And at the same time, you and I know that as an Ummah, we would love to be gathered in the company and companionship of Nabi Muhammad in order to achieve that. Engage in lots of istighfar and engage in lots of salah ala nabi. Allahumma salli ala 
sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammadin wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyina Muhammad walhamdulillahirabbil alamin